Welcome to That's Awesome ID. My name is Leslie Early, and each week I will be speaking with a different guest and learning about one thing they think is awesome in the field of instructional design. Okay, today we have Destry Hildenbrand on the show. Destry is a senior learning experience producer at Motive, as well as a pretty prolific speaker on immersive technologies. Like, I see you everywhere. You're at all the ATDs and all the things, uh, teaching all the classes. And today I am so excited because we're going to be talking about the differences between virtual reality versus 360 experiences, which I think sometimes people tend to overlap a little bit. But before we get into that, I want to hand it over to you to Destry. Would you like to take a moment to just introduce yourself real quick to our listeners? Ah, sure thing. Thanks. Thanks, Leslie. Um, so, uh, yeah, my name is Destry, and I, uh, I'm very fortunate, as you say, to be able to go and speak to a lot of different groups uh, here locally in the Midwest. I'm based out of Iowa, so uh, I'm the flyover state where you guys all go to the cool places. You fly over and look right. down at where I'm living here, right? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm super, I'm, uh, I'm very excited about the opportunity to go out and share all this knowledge. About five years ago, I started my immersive reality journey uh, in augmented reality. I found a calendar just laying around and I got to scan it with an app and that was it. My trajectory had changed and I was off like a rocket. I was like, ah, everybody has to know about this. Learning and development needs to know about this. So um, that's where I've been spending most of my time. And about, uh, yeah, about seven months ago now, I guess right about the beginning of the year, mm -hmm. I started at Motive and uh, working with Motive and, you know, really focusing my efforts on content creation and virtual reality. It's been, uh, it's been a lots of fun. So Yes, it sounds like a lot of fun. And I see some of the posts, like your blog posts and different things that Motive also puts out. And it's like, really cool. And and I think this is a very, we're getting into a tangent very early in the episode. Usually it gets a couple questions in before I go on tangents. But <laughs> I will say, I I think we're still at the beginning of the curve of early adopters because I still hear a lot of people saying, oh, this is not really ever going to be a thing in L&D, but I disagree. <laughs> yeah, no, I would I would disagree too, you know, but I think you're right. I think we're still very early on. The technology itself, although it's been around for a long time, it is still very much in its infancy, especially how we're trying to adapt it, how we're trying to utilize it for learning experiences and like the 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 S word, right? Scale. How do we scale it affordably right. and make our organizations be able to do that? So, um, so yeah, I think you're exactly right. This really is going to be. It may not be the entire future. Like we may not all mm -hmm. end up living in the matrix, right? right. But <laughs> I think that it very much could be a very effective. It very much is an effective part of a blended learning solution uh, for, for almost any organization. So Yeah, yeah. So I think I got a little ahead of our conversation, but um, I just needed to make my stance known on that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess we can start with a little bit of a definition. So when we say immersive technologies, like you mentioned augmented reality and virtual reality already, and we're going to be bringing 360 into that. What does immersive technologies mean? Like what if, if you had to, you know, give a really basic definition of that, what does that mean to you? Sure. So it's kind of it's actually funny you ask because a lot of the conferences and a lot of people I talk to, there's always some new term or some mm -hmm. new abbreviation that shows up, right? So we've got augmented reality, we've got virtual reality, and 
we would group 360 video or immersive video inside of that that kind of group as well. Um, so immersive reality is really, if you think about any way that we're enhancing the world around us. Mm-hmm. So uh, augmented reality starts off and it is a digital overlay of information on top of the real world. So uh, if you think about anything that could be, uh, imagine you have a poster in front of you and you scan it with your phone and that poster brings up additional information, right? It curates some content, pulls up a couple videos, maybe a couple links for you to do more things, you know, things like that. Uh, It could also be, um, so uh, augmented reality kind of evolves, it evolved into what's called mixed reality. And mixed reality is really that next level where you start to scan the world around you and you can interact with it. You're still in the real world, right? You still see what's going on, but I can scan street signs. I can scan tables and walls and I can attach things and make things happen that way. Uh, so augmented reality, mixed reality, they're kind of going down that same path. When we get into virtual reality though, that's where it really kind of changes. They're all sort of in the same family, but this is the distant cousin, right? So this one, uh, immersive or virtual reality takes us completely out of the real world. So we are putting on a headset, we're completely isolating ourselves from what's happening in the world around us, and it is a fully virtual simulation. So it's computer generated. Um, we add in whatever content, whatever information we need, and the user goes through this completely simulated environment. Mm-hmm. And then as we, we'll get going here too, but 360 video or immersive video is a full capture Right? We have cameras that have lenses on both sides. They capture 360 degrees all the way around us. And uh, this immersive video uh, gives you a little bit higher fidelity that can be experienced on either a headset. So you could be in a headset looking around this 360 video, or you could actually be on a mobile device or a web browser. You know, it's, it's sort of, it has more traits of augmented reality a little bit in that way, mm-hmm. uh, but it can kind of live in both worlds a little bit. And I think to our point and to the conversation today, that's where VR and 360 video can sometimes get a little bit, like the definitions can get a little blurry. They're like, oh, VR, anything you put in a headset, right? And it's like, right. Mm, not quite. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's some of the confusion is that for 360 video or photos or experiences, you know, something like scenario VR or even, yeah, th- things like that. If you're in a headset or it, for it to truly be immersive, you should be sort of in a headset because it's that then you feel, you know, immersed in that environment or whatever. But that doesn't mean it's virtual reality because virtual reality in, in the sense of like we're creating a virtual world is a little different in I so how do you how do you so they're both immersive in the sense that you have a headset on you feel like you're immersed in a different place mm-hmm. but 360 video the way I differentiate it in my mind 360 video or a photo is still a 2D image like I can't in when I'm in that virtual space I can't reach out and touch or interact with a 360 object the way that I could react with something that's created specifically for a virtual reality environment. Does that make sense? Exactly. <laughs> it, no, it does 100%. And that's when you start really kind of identifying some of the differences and some of those nuances between the two. So if you think about 360 video, exactly what you said, it's a 2D image. I mean, imagine um, a video that you shoot 
on your phone or on a video camera, right? I mean, I guess video camera kind of makes me sound old, right? Because we all use phones now to <laughs> yeah, capture yeah. everything. So, but imagine capturing a video in some way and you've got it on that rectangle in front of you, whether it's a TV, whether it's a you know computer screen on the phone itself. So it's a 2D image. And essentially what we're doing when we're capturing 360 is we're capturing two of those, one in the front, one in the back. And then we're using the term stitching, like we're stitching them all together. Software goes in and connects the dots on both sides. And then it essentially wraps it on the inside of a big sphere. Mm-hmm. And then it drops the user right in the middle of that sphere. Mm-hmm. So now we are literally just spinning around in a circle looking at, uh, imagine as though you were a participant in a location. So imagine you were there sitting in a chair, sitting in the stand, sitting on the ground, wh- wherever you were at, right? And you're seeing everything as though as a, as a passive, you know, kind of bystander in this mm-hmm. particular scene. So it is essentially wrapping that 2D image around a sphere. And then we get to look around and see everything that's happening in that sphere. Mm-hmm. Now, it could be an image, it could be a video, either way. But but yeah, and it does limit what you can do. It isn't. It doesn't let you walk around. Yeah. Most of these 360 images, they're they would be considered. You know, they give you three degrees of freedom essentially. So they call it three DOF in the in the biz, right? So we can move our head up and down. We can tilt side to side. We can kind of you know pitch and yaw all around in our head, but we can't really move around. I can't walk to objects. I can't, you know, do that kind of stuff, um, at least not effectively. So no. you can create some bigger spaces that will work that way. But it really is a fantastic way to transport people to another place or to give them uh, a little bit of or the visuals of an experience without actually being there. Mm-hmm. So um, you see a lot of uh, a lot of uh, museums use 360 video a lot of uh a lot of uh why can't i think of what it's called when you travel places uh, travel like you know tour. travel videos yeah. Yeah. exactly you know yeah. travel videos so you can go find uh, videos of going to the statue of liberty or going to the great wall of china or all of these different places so i mean there's lots of different things that you can do but once you're there you are limited. Um, there is some interaction you can do. You mentioned Scenario VR, um, Articulate Storyline, and Captivate 360, not Captivate 360, <laughs> Captivate 2019, both give you the option to work with 360 uh, either images or video, depending on what it is. So you can make it interactive at the same way you make e-learning interactive. Right. So you can have buttons, you can have some extra videos, stuff like that pop up. But it really isn't, you know, you're not actively going through this particular space. You're more of a, a passive sort of uh, viewer and observer inside of it. Mm-hmm. And so comparing that then to like VR, right? VR is like constructed, like you're constructing a 3D space with with 3D assets that are much more grabbable, interactable, for lack of a, I don't even know if that's really a word, but you know. (laughs) Those are both perfect ways to describe it, 100%. So one of the other things before we leave 360 video is that the fidelity is usually a little bit better because it's essentially a picture Mm. or a video, right? So um, one of the things we do see is when we move into VR, or we can refer to it sometimes as CGI VR. So it's really that completely simulated environment created using 3D assets, created inside of the computer, you know, very similar to game creation, Mm -hmm. you know, video game creation and and virtual reality experience creation, things like that. So inside of this, this VR setting, uh, the fidelity, you go in and you know, right away, it's not, 
you know, it's not a real picture. It's not a real video, mm -hmm. but you have the ability to move around. It has what we call six degrees of freedom. So not only can I move my head around and see what's going on, but I can walk forward. I can walk backward. I can run through it if I wanted to. I can, like you mentioned, pick things up. I can interact. I can, you know, cause things to happen, open doors, close drawers, you know, uh, you know, throw things. These are all things that we can do. And that gives us a lot more a little bit more potential when it comes to actual hands-on learning experiences. So real, like, so real VR, not necessarily real VR, but CGI VR is really that active engaged. You've got that interactive scene that you can go in and do stuff with. And that's where you can really create all of the things that are going on. So we've outlined a little bit of, you know, what the differences are between these different types of immersive experiences. Initially, we might think that, you know, CGI VR might be a better option for learning and development because there is a higher degree of, you know, this interaction. However, I think there is a case to be made that in some instances, 360 is also a good solution. So how, in your experience, how have you seen these kind of being put to use, you know, in, in the L&D space? Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I mean, um, so with 360 imagery or 360 videos, one of the things you're going to see is this is a really great way to get into the immersive space. So mm. augmented reality, 360 video, that's really, those are some easier lifts to get in. The investment is usually under $1,000 to get mm -hmm. in and start doing some stuff. And then the skills that we have directly translate over, the skills we have is learning developers, right? I mean, we have a lot of those. We go into, we build e-learnings, we work in, you know, Photoshop and we work in Premiere and Camtasia and all the these things that we work with, it translates really well into now just working with 360 images mm -hmm. um, or 360 video. So using those to, you know, ex get people to experience your your uh, your organization might have locations all across the U.S., all across the world, right? And a lot of the employees will never see that. You know, a great way to get in is to start recording some some tours of all these different places. And mm -hmm. then when they come back, you know, they can send those tours back and then everyone can experience what it's like to be in some of these different places. So oh, that's um, a good point. Yeah. I like yeah. That. So I would say that's a great way to get into it. It helps you if you wanted to buy a couple headsets, you could put on a headset and be fully immersed inside of there. You wouldn't necessarily have to, you could experience it on a mobile device or the web the same way. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a, you know, financially and skill wise, it's a little bit of easier lift. Now, when we start talking about CGI VR, you really have to, you have to have a really good use case. Like it has to be the solution to your problem. Like this, you know, I, I know sometimes I've, I've worked with organizations, worked in organizations and, and been guilty of it myself where I've, I've taken technology in search of a problem, right? I, right. I don't, I don't take the problem <laughs> and I go search. Right. I'm like, this is awesome. I want to use it. I got to right. use it. So, and I think that the, that's something you absolutely cannot do with virtual reality because virtual reality is a sizable investment in time, in skill, resources and and financially it is it is very much so it fits really really well uh, and again it's a, it's a great piece of that blended overall solution that you put together but it works really well if things are really dangerous to recreate you mm -hmm. know uh we've created an open pit mine we've created you know utility locate where they have to go across six lanes of traffic while cars are going by and you know you don't want to throw somebody brand new be like all right it's your first day on the mine ready here's a hard hat go you right. know, it's like, ah, yeah. it's not going to work out so well. We're going to need to do some other stuff. So to get them 
that hands-on, that experience, that presence. And that's something that virtual reality, CGI virtual reality does really well. Imagine you walk into that mine the first day and there's the crusher. It's a real full-size rock crusher and there's an excavator loading boulders in. Here's the hauler truck over on the side and you're like, that's like 10 of me. Like, that's crazy. Like to get scale presence, you know, to do that, that's a great use case for something like that. Um, whether it's, if it's dangerous to recreate, if it's expensive to recreate, or if it's just, you know, I, if it's really, really inconvenient to recreate and it makes more sense to give people the actual ability to get hands-on doing it. Maybe they're cleaning equipment, maybe they're fixing equipment, maybe they're assembling products. You can do all that right there in VR, but you have to have a really solid and vetted use case with clear goals. I mean, obviously you want to have those things for all of your projects, right. but, but you know, to justify the expense that goes into a virtual reality, CGI virtual reality development, you really want to have all your ducks in a row. And I think that's where, you know, you want to experience as much of it as you can and get, you know, to know what it can and can't do. And then really, you know, find a vendor or find a partner that you can work with. that really helps you along the way. Yeah. I think right now, definitely. I think if you want to go that CGI VR route it would have you would have to have some sort of partner uh not to just plug motive but you know a company like motive <laughs> who has experienced developers and designers who can um sort of do a lot of that heavy lifting and 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 partner in that way but um i had another thought oh as you were describing that you know these very dangerous situations is a good a, a good um use case for this, but I can't help but go on my second tangent of this conversation, which is that (laughs) Facebook and, you know, Oculus, they own Oculus, is pushing this metaverse, right? And so now suddenly we have this um, Horizon Workrooms (laughs) where it's like the digital conference room essentially is coming out and like they're really trying to push um, it is CGI VR. uh, It's a CGI VR environment essentially the next generation of zoom or miro or something like that or combining those things so i'm i'm wondering your take on that if you think this is going to be part of our daily workflow i don't know <laughs> in the future yeah you know i've been i've been keeping an eye on that i kind of watched some of it i've seen a lot of this stuff kind of just grow exponentially yeah. due to the the situation we've been in the last year right everyone's yeah. trying to look for that next thing that we can do virtually and and although i applaud their efforts and i think it's a it's it's a it's an interesting take and it's a good it's a direction that we can go i also see that you know no company is immune from you know, trying to do the same old things we've always done mm-hmm. and put them in this new technology. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Horizons is the future, but I think Horizons is kind of a step. A bridge. Try, a bridge to <laughs> yeah. try to figure out what that future is, yeah. you know. Um, what we found what we found at Motive is that uh, a good comfortable time for people to spend inside of VR is about, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes right mm-hmm. around there. You know, you're probably not going to spend your whole day in VR. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are potential downfalls, you know, if uh, depending on the types of experience you can experience different ways, your body can react in physical ways that aren't mm-hmm. necessarily as comfortable as you'd like it to be. That's not normally the case, but if you start spending, you know, A three hours, time, four hours, yeah. five hours, I, I don't know. I, I can't do that myself. Like I spend 15, 20 minutes at a time in the headset and it's enough for me. Mm-hmm. Like I can get in, I can play a game or I can work on an experience. You know, um, there's some days when I'm in and out of the headset 
you know, for every, every 20 minutes or so, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm up doing stuff. And then the next day I'm like, all right, I'll take a break for a little bit, you know, yeah. work on some other things. But, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fantastic medium. And I think uh, like the groups like Facebook and coming out with horizons, they're all in the same boat. We are, we're all trying to find that next great way to immerse and create those experiences that are really memorable, that are valuable. That's important too. Mm -hmm. It has to be valuable. And then that makes the most sense for whatever situation you're in. So, you know, another great way that this is kind of seeing, and that's sort of the direction they're going with that horizons is soft skills training. You know, imagine I saw an article the other day and it said, um, the title kind of is off putting, but it said, uh, you know, your manager might be training to fire you right now in VR, right? But the core of it is though, you know, your leaders might right now be practicing those crucial conversations with uh, with avatars in, in VR, mm-hmm. you know, the artificial intelligence and they might be practicing crucial conversations. They might be doing other types of leadership training, empathy training. You know, maybe they're working with um, patients in a hospital who are critical, you know, critical care mm-hmm. or um, dementia patients. Like there's, there's lots of different ways that we could utilize virtual reality and combine some of those other next level, like those, those next, you know, types of technologies, whether it's, you know, artificial intelligence or the, any of the internet of things stuff, right? right? Like all those things that we bring out. So I think there's a lot of potential. And I think like Facebook, you know, groups that are out there that are working in virtual reality, we're all trying to figure out what works now for everybody and also trying to stay on that bleeding edge. What mm-hmm. can we do next? How can we, you know, how can we shape the future, influence the future of the use of this product? And personally, um, I can't speak for anybody else, but, you know, going backwards is never going forward. So, yeah. uh, you know, if, uh, trying to reuse a new technology the same way we've used all the other technology, you're, it's, you're never going to get the results you want. It's an okay place to start. Don't get me wrong. Right. I'm not trying to criticize anybody doing it that way. Um, there's experiences and things that I do that I still build that way. And it's, it's perfectly okay. But you always want to keep like you always want to keep reaching for that next thing too. You always got to be thinking, how could I use this different? How can I think differently and use this in a way that really gets people, you know, that that gets people engaged, immersed, excited, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things. So, and I think that's something that immersive reality in general can do. And I'm a huge proponent of virtual reality doing that too. So yeah, the Horizons thing is interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm always interested to see who's doing what and how it's being, you know, how it's, (laughs) how it's being received by the masses. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm always excited for the future here because I, I, even though I don't think Facebook (laughs) workrooms is, is the end all be all of online spaces, collaborative spaces, I think it's going to get, it's going to open the space up to more people and the same way that, um, articulate, releasing this update of having 360 images now in their tool is doing the exact same thing in L&D of getting people excited about 360 because 360 has been around in Captivate for a long time, like two years at least. But we just, the community surrounding that tool is not as enthusiastic or as vocal or doesn't share as much about it. So I'm excited to see people's work. Like I'm excited to see people's examples of how to use 360 because I just think it, we still are developed. We're still in that bridge 
you know, we're still figuring out where this is all going. (laughs) Well, and you, yeah, it's great. I just saw a thing from David Anderson from the, you know, e-learning heroes, right? Mm -hmm. He just said, he just had a a blog the other day, 30 some ways to use 360 images. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. You know, get it out there and Uh get those examples out there and people can start there and grow their own. So yeah, yeah, you're right. Agreed. Well, so we've covered a lot. Thank you so much, Destry. <laughs> um, if people would like to connect with you to continue the conversation or have questions, you're a very friendly guy. Uh, where can uh, people connect with you? Sure. Uh, the best way is to connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, send me a message and we can schedule some time. I would love to sit down and chat. We can have a virtual coffee and and talk about all things immersive reality. Or if you happen to be attending any events, always mm-hmm. double check. Sometimes I try to be there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true. I try to be there as best I can. So if you're at an event and you want to talk immersive reality, you know, chances are pretty good. You know, there's like a 80% chance that I'm probably at the same event and yeah. would love to sit down. So, but otherwise, LinkedIn, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Destry One Kenobi. And yeah, so those are the best ways to get a hold of me uh, and, and get in contact. Amazing. Thank you again so much for your time, Dustry. I hope you have a good rest of your day. All right. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.